Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. that is that not amazing and of course they sung it and produced it and did everything I thought that was incredible and how accurate it is so accurate well happy Mother's Day to you all of my moms where are my moms can you stand up moms we just want to honor you today we love you so much We are so thankful for you. We don't know what we would do without you and all of our moms that are joining us online. We love you too. You know, the video is so true. Sometimes you just don't know what you're going to get with the kids, right? Could be a Batman suit. You could have to run to Chick-fil-A. Or like this one mother, she took her daughter to work because her daughter had been begging to go to work with her mother. And she couldn't figure out why. But for weeks, all her daughter wanted to do was just to go 
to work with her mother. So finally, the mother agrees and is just like, I don't know what it is, why she's so excited to go to work with me, but I'm going to let her come to work with me. So she takes her daughter into work. She looks around the office and she sees all the coworkers and she starts bawling her eyes out. And they come in closer, and the mom comes in, and, and the co-workers are concerned. The, the mom is concerned. The little girl is crying. And she said, Mama, you told me all you worked with was a bunch of clowns. Where's the clowns? <laughs> it's amazing how wonderful our children are at times, right? They're so truthful and so honest. My kids actually gave me um, these pants today, and so, you know, when the kids give you something for Mother's Day, thankfully they're older now, and we've graduated from the big, ugly flower that I'd have to wear to preach in. Um, Now they they buy me cool things, but I, I was out of the house getting ready to get in the car, and I realized that this this outfit that I had had on, the whole top piece, I had to run in and change because it was stripes, and I thought they were black stripes, but they were blue. And my husband's like, well, I guess you need to change your pants. I'm like, no, 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 I can't change the pants. The kids gave me the pants. I've got to change the top. So I just grabbed whatever was there and ran back out, as we do as moms, right? Well, today we're going to kick it on back. We're going we're gonna, to, because we're doing a, a um, kind of a retro vibe, I thought we would like kick it on way back. Now, I'm not going all the way back to Eve because I'm still a little miffed with her over the whole Apple thing. So I'm not going that far back, but I am going to go back uh, to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and we're going to talk about her today. We're going to talk about her life and how it relates to us. I believe in looking at her story, we'll, we'll see a few things that maybe can relate to us, can correlate with us, and maybe we'll kind of see what she went through and understand that maybe all mothers have some things in common and that we can relate to one another. So I want to start by reading where Gabriel, the archangel, shows up to Mary, and he comes and he basically starts talking to her about the plan that is on her life and what is supposed to happen with her child. I want to start there, and I want to break some things down as we go through this today. Luke 1, we're going to start in verse 28. It says, The angel went to her, to Mary, and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. How many of you know that's a good thing when an angel tells you that you're highly favored? right? Notice she was highly favored before she had any children. Her value didn't come from the fact that she had children. Her value came from the fact that she was a child of God. The Lord is with you, Mary. And, but Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, hey, don't be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of God, the Most High. Then we're going to go down a little further in Luke chapter 1. She says, how will this be? Like, Gabe, Gabe, 
you you don't understand, like, Gabe, you don't know what's going on here. Like, I don't understand how this is going to happen, she asked the angel. Since I am a virgin, and the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. That was her answer. I love that. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Down a little further in Luke chapter 2, verse 19, it says, But Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, I broke down two words of that last sentence the word treasured and the word pondered, because I wanted to go and get the original Greek meaning for them because the New Testament was written in Greek. And that word treasured means to preserve a thing from perishing, to keep it from being lost, to hold it within oneself, to keep something in mind, hold it closely together, keep it from ruin. That's what she did when she treasured. Then it says she pondered. That word pondered in the Greek means to bring together, to converse and to confer with oneself, to consult and to consider. So Mary had to constantly do those things. To keep that word of God in her heart that the Lord spoke to her, she had to constantly make sure that she reminded herself of the promise of God, that she was blessed and highly favored, that her son was going to be great. You know, I think Mary's like a lot of us. She probably didn't grasp all that motherhood was going to entail or even all that the angel had said to her that day. But one thing is for sure. I think as moms, we all have to agree when we say, Lord, I don't understand all this. I don't get it all, but let it be fulfilled. I am your servant. Help me along this journey. It's like most of us moms. I think we get a great picture of motherhood. I don't understand it all, but God, I'm going to take you at your word. I believe in the greatness of my child. I believe in this beautiful package that you have given me, but I'm going to need a little bit of help. You know, the thing that was so interesting was that the angel Gabriel came to her and her alone. She was the one that had that first-hand revelation directly from the angel. She was the one that was charged to keep that hidden in her heart. But the picture of motherhood isn't always easy. We're going to learn today that even in the life of Mary, there are things that happen that we didn't necessarily sign up for. I remember when I was pregnant with my first child and I went into the doctor Um, It was my son, Colby. I went into the doctor, and I was just a couple months along, I think maybe two or three months, and they went in to to get the heartbeat, just check the heartbeat, and they couldn't find it. And after 30 minutes, they were looking for the heartbeat, and I remembered calling my husband in tears, and he just prayed over me. You know, that moment just gave me a little bit of what motherhood was all about. I was so excited and so thankful, but also feeling a little bit gut-punched at the same time. 
It's the greatest thing on earth, but there is also some wrenching moments, and Mary was no exception. Even though she was carrying the Son of God, she had the same thing that she had to walk through. She had to walk through the highs and lows of being a mama. The first thing that she had to deal with as we go through Mary's journey, the first thing that she had to deal with is she had to deal with her reputation being questioned. All she was trying to do was walk out the call of God on her life. The fact that she said yes to the call of God and people were trying to ruin her reputation. People were saying things about her. As a matter of fact, at one point her betrothed husband wasn't even with her. Sometimes as a mom, it feels like you're standing alone facing the whole world. Not even Joseph was on her side at one point. Now, the angel did come to Joseph later, and I I remembered as I was just preparing this message, I remembered thinking, why why didn't the angel just like show up to Joseph first and say, hey, I'm going to go have a conversation with Mary. I just want you to know just to support her. Why didn't he do that? It's because Mary had to learn what it was like to trust God on God's word and God's word alone, whether anyone else was standing with her or not. Now, the Lord did go and speak to Joseph, and we know that Joseph came along, but we know that the the verbal assaults, the verbal attacks never stopped. People questioned Jesus and called him a bastard child. They said so many things against him. They talked against Joseph and they talked against Mary. Maybe that's why she needed a little bit of escape to go visit her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist at the time and Mary gets a little bit of escape and goes away. And the Bible says that when she uh, encounters Elizabeth, her cousin, that John the Baptist leaps and her womb because he knows the presence of God is there. Sometimes we have to understand that we're still carrying God's promise even though the times are troubled, right? Isn't that what it's like for a mama? Then then there's this journey they have to take. Later on in her pregnancy, Mary and Joseph are told that they need to go for the census and be counted. Now, in the United States, our Constitution requires that every 10 years there's a census done. And I'm guessing the census is right about now because I've had several notes left on my door over the last few months. I'm guessing that I need to maybe fill that thing out. But Mary and Joseph had to go um, and be counted. They were from the city of David, so they had to go back to the place of their birth. Not did they only just have to go and be counted. They had to go and pay taxes. So here she is. She's nine months pregnant, and she's got to go on a 90-mile journey, not for some incredible vacation, But she's got to get on the back of a donkey, a bony animal, for 90 miles. That's how long the trip was, 90 miles. Now, for those of you who have ever been nine months pregnant, I can just tell you, nothing is comfortable. A bed of feathers isn't comfortable. A mattress with an air topper on it is not comfortable at nine months. The back of a donkey at nine months and having to travel like that, can you imagine? Like, I'm just hurting thinking about it, and I'm just getting, like, agitated for her, right? 
You're doing all this to go pay taxes. It's not like you're going to Hawaii and you're going to put your feet up, you know, on the beach. You're, you're having to do all this so you can go pay taxes and be counted. It's crazy. This trip, it says that because, you know, the scholars believe that she was only able to do 10 miles per day because the, the terrain was so rugged, it was so rough. It's not convenient. There was a host of people that had to go with them in their caravan, and it was very dangerous. There were thieves and robbers that would wait along the path to take your items and your things. It was very dangerous. The path itself was rocky and hilly. And not only that, but, you know, we understand that roads weren't paved. So it was kind of easy to lose your way. And here she is walking through this. And there were wild boars that lived in the valley by the Jordan River. Not such a fun day when you've got to encounter wild boars. Not to mention the city that she's trying to get to is up at the top of a hill. It's quite a bit she's walking through. And in this time of year, the temperature is in the 30s and it's the rainy season. I mean, how much more can you stack on there? On a sunny day, I'm nine months pregnant. I'm still not happy. And she's walking through all of this. She's weighted down with supplies and water and all of these things. And then she gets to the city of David. She gets there, and every single hotel is already taken. I guess they didn't have a reservation app that she could have gotten one ahead of time. So she shows up like everyone else, and all the rooms are booked. I mean, it's worse than spring break, y'all. She cannot get a room anywhere. And she's starting to have labor pains. The promise is starting to come. And she's she's not even got a place for this, this promise to happen. But, you know, God has given her this promise, and she's holding on to this promise, and it's not exactly the way she probably would have planned it out, right? So she's looking around everywhere. There's nothing. But one guy kind of feels sorry for her, and he's like, hey, all I've got, I've got a stable. It's clean. It's clean. So she goes into the stable. She... She has this baby. We know she's probably already fought some fear through the journey, and now she's, you know, not in a a necessarily ideal situation. But she's, she's giving birth to this baby. And I don't know about you, you, you may be one of those moms that did no epidural and you just kind of, you know, pop your kids out. That was not me, sister. I am so thankful for epidurals. I am so thankful for a hospital, and she didn't have any of that. So I'm guessing girlfriend was probably, you know, experiencing a little bit of stress. Maybe just a little bit, right? So she's going through all this. In a barn, she can hear the animals, and she knows she's carrying a promise, but maybe the delivery of that promise isn't exactly the way she expected. Can anybody relate? Maybe the journey didn't look like what you thought it would be. So she has Jesus, 
And can I just tell you, I don't care what mother you are, there are two things that every mother fears if she were to admit it. Two fears. First is that she will raise her kids right. The fear that, am I going to do anything? Am I going to say anything? Am I not going to do something that I should? Every mother has this innate desire to, to raise their kids to the very best. And there's this, this fear that can get triggered sometimes. Am I doing everything that I should be doing? The other fear is that harm will befall them. Could a sickness befall them? Could something happen to harm them or hurt them? Those are things that mothers hold very close. And Mary was no exception. She's feeling these things. And then not too long after that, we know that Joseph has a dream. Because, see, Joseph is meant to be, as all husbands and fathers are meant to be, they are meant to guide, guard, and govern their households. So this time, the angel comes in the dream, and he comes to Joseph. Because he's saying, Joseph, there is harm that is trying to come to your child, and it's your responsibility as the head of this household to look after this child. You need to take Mary and the child, and you need to move. Mary knows that there's someone out to harm her child. It's the government, actually. It's King Herod. He's jealous. So he, he comes looking for the child to harm the child. So they move and they go to Egypt. You know, right now is a pretty tumultuous time in our government. And the very government that should be helping us in raising our children as far as allowing us the freedoms and the rights. You know, here Mary is having to, to fight and flee to save her child. I know moms have kind of felt like that a little bit now as the, the government's supposed to protect you, and they don't always, right? And so here she is fleeing. Years later, we find out that Mary is coming home from a Passover pilgrimage. And we find out that on the way home, the caravan is quite large, and on the way home... She looks around for Jesus. He's 12 at this time, and she can't find him. Jesus is nowhere to be found. That is one of a mother's greatest fears. She's looking around, and here she is charged with the responsibility of this life. The Son of God, the promise of the world. And she mishandles it. She loses it. And she travels a day and a half back to try to find where Jesus is. Could you imagine what she's dealing with? It wasn't like she could just pick up the phone and go, Hey, is little JJ with you, Aunt Becky? She couldn't do that. She couldn't pull up her app and trace her cell phone and go, Oh, there she is. There he is. So she has to travel a day and a half, and she's just frantic looking for him. She finds him, and he's there in God's house ministering. And he's like, Mom, where else did you think I would be? You know, sometimes kids have to tell us what's what. Mom, calm down. 
Mom, everything's good. Why are you why are you getting so uptight, Mom? Everything's good. You see, we've got to know that God has our children even when we feel like they're lost. God has them. He's looking out for them. Even when it seems like they're lost. I remember when my middle daughter was four years old. My youngest was three. My middle was four. And then my oldest was six. And we were at Concord Mills. We were new to Charlotte, hadn't been here long. But how many of you know Concord Mills isn't necessarily the safest place in Charlotte to be? Right? So we were at Concord Mills, and it's quite a big place, especially for little children. Well, the kids needed to go to the bathroom, so I turned into the bookstore that was on the corner, the Barnes and & Noble, and um, proceeded to take them to the bathroom. I get to the bathroom, and I realize that Cabell isn't with us. It's just Colby and Cassidy. And I said, where's Cabell? And I thought, well, maybe on our way in, she, like, grabbed a book and was looking at a book or something because we would love to go to the bookstore and look at books. So we go back out, and I don't see her. And I can feel this, this panic start to rise up in me a bit because she was little. She was four years old, but she was, like, a little four years old. She was tiny, and I thought, okay, well, she's not out here looking at a book. Maybe she ran into the restroom stall before me, and I just didn't see her. So I go back in, and she's not in there. I go back out in the bookstore, and she's not there, and I'm starting to panic. I walk back out in the mall, and I'm looking left and right, and she's not there, and I start to panic. And my son, who is six years old, but he's very sharp, very observant, says, Mom, do you think the guy in the red muscle shirt who followed us from store to store took her? I am standing in the mall, and I just start screaming for help. Screaming for help. Now, Concord Mills is a little bit different, I realize, than um, most malls. They actually have a police station there, so all the police came running. I'm so thankful for them. They all came running, and I was, like, shaking and screaming. By this point, about 10 minutes had gone by. That's a long time with a child that's about this big in a very big mall that's not a super safe mall with a guy in a red muscle shirt, right? I'm freaking out. I'm crying. They're locking down all of the exits. They shut down 85 and shut down the highway. All of this is going on. I'm calling my husband. He's going 90 miles an hour to get to the mall. I'm literally shaking. I'm screaming. I'm just beside myself. My phone's ringing, and I'm not, like, like I literally can't even do anything. 15 minutes goes by. 20 minutes goes by like I'm having trouble breathing. 25 minutes goes by and I'm having this conversation with the Lord in the middle of the mall. I said, Lord, you healed her with tumors in her brain. You healed her, God. There is no way you healed this child of tumors in her brain for her to get snatched by some guy in a red shirt. There is no way. God, where is my baby? 30 minutes goes by. All of a sudden, one of my friends, her name is Snooky, 
one of my friends comes walking down the far end of the mall and she's got Cabell hand in hand with her and Cabell's skipping. <laughs> and I am just like, because they couldn't figure out, they were trying to get for me the color of her dress and I couldn't remember, I couldn't remember anything. Everything was, all I could remember is she has a dress and a big bow because that's how I, I roll with my girls. They have dresses and big bows. And so they're coming down the mall, and Snooky says, yeah, Cabell just showed up at Jeepers, which was a little um, roller coaster place in the mall at the time, by herself for 30 minutes. She's been sitting with our family eating pizza, <laughs> and I knew something was wrong. I'd been trying to call you. I stood over her bed for probably two weeks just thanking God for her because sometimes when we think our children are lost, when we're starting to get into fear, when we think the man with the red muscle tee has got him, our breath can go from our lungs. But we've got to understand God's got his hand on him. I love when... Mary was there at the first miracle that Jesus ever performed. In fact, she actually prompted Jesus. They were at a wedding, and Jesus was in attendance, and Mary says to him, Hey, Jesus, you know, you understand what it's like for somebody to run out of wine at a wedding. It was like a big shame that would be brought upon the family. And she's like, Jesus, I mean you're Jesus and all. I mean, they're out of wine. And he says to her, woman, like, mama, come on. I didn't come here to do that today. My time isn't come. But she kind of prompts him, and then she looks over at the disciples, and she's like, whatever he says to do, do it. She's like, you know, kind of like egging him on a little bit. And we know the rest of the story. That was the first miracle that Jesus did. Water became wine, and everyone was blessed. I remember my son, who um, was 19 years old, and he was living with us at the time, and he was in college, and he had several friends that had moved here um, who were all in college as well here at Freedom House at SEU. And um, I kind of felt that my son's always been pretty responsible, um, even though he was young, he was 19, we kind of felt that we needed to push him a little bit and he needed to go ahead and buy a house. Now, most parents wouldn't say that for a 19-year-old, but here's the thing you have to understand. Um, he was a responsible kid. On top of that, there was something the city of Charlotte, the government, was actually offering that for first-time home buyers, if you make below a certain amount, and he made way below that, um, they would give you grant you, give you $15,000 to buy your first home. So we knew he'd have to pay nothing out of his pocket. He'd have his down payment money. He'd have all of his prepaid costs paid for. And he had three friends who had just moved here looking for a place to live. We're like, Colby, if you do this, this will set you up for the rest of your life. He's 19. Mama's kind of pushing him. 
right? Because mama's the one that had the idea. Mama's kind of pushing him. He's kind of thinking, I'm trying to kick him out of the nest. And I'm like, sweetie, it's the last thing I actually want to do, but I know it's what's best for you. This could literally set your future up. And I remember, like, looking at this house, and it was an amazing house. It was just right out of, um, right outside of Noda in Plaza Midwood. It was a little, little house, great price. And he's like, Mom, I just don't. And I'm like, no, Colby, you need to, you need to do this. He ends up getting the house. All of his roommates pay, pay his rent, put, bulk up his savings account, do all this stuff for him. His house uh, now is worth three times in five years, three times, three times what he paid for it. Now mama's looking pretty good to him. But mama had to push a little bit, and sometimes we do that, right, moms? In Matthew chapter 12, it says, Someone told him, Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Mary had a great opportunity right there to feel dismissed or feel unappreciated, but she didn't take the bait. How many times do we as moms, some of the things that our kids may say could hurt or sting or make us feel a little bit of pain? But I love that Mary didn't take the bait. She met this opportunity with grace. She didn't try to read into something. She knew that Jesus wasn't just for her. She was just to steward him, that he was a gift for everyone. And sometimes, as moms, we have to understand that there's a daily choice that we have to to make, to meditate, to rehearse, confess, and believe who God says our children are and who God says we are. It's really hard to steward and lead our children the way that we should when our own heart feels far off. That's why if you've ever been on a plane... And they say, if the oxygen mask comes down, please put it on yourself first. See, the tendency is to want to put it on your kid first. But see, if you don't get the oxygen that you need, you can't be of help to your kid. That's why it's so important that we constantly confess what the word of God has to say. God, you called me. You said I'm highly favored. You called me to this position as mom. Because, see, we need it when things get tough because, see, her son was about to face accusation again. He'd faced accusation before as a little child when maybe people said, that's not your real dad or said something about his mom. But now he's being accused of being blasphemous. A lot of things are being said about him. He's being mocked. He's having to stand in front of the leaders. The same leaders that are supposed to be protecting and looking after are bringing accusation against him. And Mary was there when she watched that. You know, it's, it's one thing if somebody says something about you, but when somebody says something about your kid, everything in you wants to jump in there and stop it But she knew that God had to handle this. 
Sometimes we've got to remember that Band-Aids don't work, but prayers always will. Because it was about to get worse, she was about to watch her son get beaten and broken. You know, sometimes when we see difficult things happen, we just want to, like, turn, and we just don't want to face it. We don't want to see what's happening, but she stayed there, and she watched. She watched as he was beaten, as the flesh was ripped off of his back. She knew that as his mama, she needed to be there. But how difficult and gut-wrenching and hard. Even though her heart was breaking, she never opted out. How many of you today, maybe you've watched difficult things with your kids and maybe your heart was hurting, but you're not opting out. You're staying on the front lines. You're praying. You're speaking over your children. You're speaking life. You're speaking over your mind. You're blocking fear. You're blocking any negative thoughts that the enemy might try to bring against you because you know there's a higher purpose that you must keep sight of. Then she watches as her son gets nailed to a cross and he gives up his last breath. In other words, she's watching as a situation with her child seems hopeless. Seems like death is winning. Death is abounding. She's there. His heavenly father had to turn away. Because sin was placed upon him and he couldn't watch. But Mary was there. She kept her eyes there and she wept at the foot of the cross, watching what had happened to her child. Knowing there's a purpose, but still at the same time witnessing what feels like death. I've had those moments where you're looking at what feels like a dark moment where that you need a resurrection you're believing for your child a few years ago I was at church and I got a call from some of my daughter's friends she had been bringing some unsaved friends to church she was in high school at the time she'd been bringing some unsaved friends to church and I was letting her hang out with these girls because she was bringing them to church but I was trying to warn her about keeping her boundaries, and she didn't do such a good job with that. She was kind of struggling with, you know, wanting to be in the crowd, but at the same time loving Jesus. But she kind of got mixed up in things that she shouldn't have gotten mixed up in. And her heart has always been right, but she hasn't always done what's right. And I get a call, an emergency call. And I saw this number that was on my phone, and I didn't answer it. I was at church. Then all of a sudden, these text messages keep coming saying 911-911-911. And I call, and it's one of her friends. They said, Cassidy is convulsing. She's on the floor. We can't get her to stop. And I said, what happened? And I I literally run out of the church building, jump in the car, and I'm speeding, and I'm just actually hoping I'll get pulled over so somebody can get me there a little faster, give me an escort. And I'm just speeding trying to get there. And they're like, we're not sure. And I can hear these horrible noises in the background. 
and I just like my breath starts to change and I said I need you to tell me what happened I need like what is going on and all I could get out of them was she took something that's all they would tell me I'm like what do you mean she took something what did she take nothing they, they wouldn't and I said have you called 911 no I said, I will call you back. I hang up. I call 911. By the time I get to my street, I've got an ambulance, fire trucks, police cars, all up and down my street. I get into the house, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I'm, I'm in shock. All the neighbors are outside. Everybody's lining the street. My daughter had taken something that one of her friends had given her, and it, Come to find out it was synthetic, was laced with something. And she's convulsing, foam coming out of her mouth on the floor, and her friends are standing there. Police officers are begging them, please tell us what, because I knew she didn't have that. I'm like, please tell me what you gave her. I'm not going to be mad at you. I, we, this is a life-saving moment. And they reached underneath her mattress, and they pulled something out. And they rushed her to the hospital. And she's like in and out of coherency. And she's crying. She's saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You're pastors and I've embarrassed you. You're pastors and the neighbors are out. You're pastors and now we're at the hospital and they're unloading her stretcher. And she's like, you're pastors and, and these people, like these people go to our church and, and you know these people and and, and your pastors, and I said, stop. I am your mama. I said, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm not interested in my reputation. I'm not interested on who thinks what about what's going on. I care about you and that we get you the help that you need. That's all I care about. She goes, but I'm so sorry. I'm so, I said, sweetheart, let's deal with you. We'll deal with anything else later. Let's deal with you. They figured out what she had taken, and they got her straight. And I'll never forget that day. We had a lot of hard days with our youngest. A lot of painful days that felt like little deaths over and over. Felt like darkness at times. But can I tell you, whenever there's a death, God is always ready with a resurrection. Always. Can I read you the card she gave me this morning? My eyes are a little foggy, so bear with me. You've always been a wonderful person, Mom. It's just that now I better understand what having a mom as incredible as you truly means. I may not show you all the time, but you are an amazing, beautiful mother, and I am so thankful that you are mine. Thank you for being the best role model for me. Truly, you are a blessing. You love, you take care of, and you also discipline me well, LOL. That's all in the card. I love you beyond words, and I cannot think of a better time to tell you 
you made me the girl I am today. You taught me the good and helped me learn from the bad. I really needed that. I love you. It's an honor, Penny Jean, to be your daughter. Love, Cassidy. I just want you to know that no matter what may seem dark or hard, pray for the resurrection. You see, Jesus had his body resurrected. Maybe a relationship needs to be resurrected. The thing that I love is, you know, she's the only one still at home. She's in college. My other two have moved out, and they're married. But you know what I love? Even when Jesus moved on, when he moved out, when he went back to heaven, where do you see Mary? The Bible says that you see her at the day of Pentecost. She's still praying. Why is she still praying? Because Mary understood legacy. She wanted to continue to carry out what her son had started. This was the song that Mary sang. It's in Luke chapter 1. I want to uh, read it for you. It says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him. From generation to generation, she's speaking out legacy not just with her son, but for all of those who are to come. She's calling out the legacy in her family. God has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. The rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel. In remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to his seed forever. Did you see how she started that song? The way she started that song is how you and I need to always remember to handle things with our children. She started off with, my soul magnifies the Lord. Not my soul magnifies the difficult. My soul magnifies this pain. My soul magnifies the fact that we're in a world right now and I'm fearful. My soul magnifies the fact that I'm going through a hard time with my child. My soul magnifies the fact that I feel tired or broken down or weary. No. My soul magnifies the Lord. And when I continually magnify the Lord above anything else, when it doesn't look good, when there's pain, when I feel alone, when I feel misunderstood, when I have the opportunity to be in fear, my soul will magnify the Lord. She declared that at the beginning of her pregnancy, and she declared that all throughout her motherhood. My soul will magnify the Lord. Will you stand on your feet with me today? 
As a mom today, I understand that we are living in a very tough world. And as I read this story about the OG, the coolest mother of all, Mary, I know that she had to deal with some of the same things that you and I have to deal with. But we've got to understand and know what it is we have to magnify. If we're going to get through this and we're going to do the kind of job that God is asking us to do, we've got to magnify the right things. You see, I remember my grandmother when I was younger pulling out her magnifying glass. And it's amazing, whatever you hold that magnifying glass over is the only thing that you can see. Everything else gets smaller. Can I ask you today, how well are you doing magnifying the Lord when things get tough, when things look difficult, when you feel a little bit scared? And the truth is, you don't have to be a mom in here today to have to remember to magnify the Lord. I think we've all been through a lot the last year. What if all of us in here, mom, dad, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, friend, what if we all chose to magnify the Lord instead of magnifying the world? Can we make that choice today? Would you close your eyes, everybody in the room and everyone watching online? I just want to give you the opportunity today to magnify the Lord. If you would just say today in here or online, I need to magnify the Lord. I've been magnifying the others a little too much. I want to magnify the Lord. And you would just say today, I've got to put Jesus back first. I've got to put him back first in my life. I've let some other things be magnified. And I need to magnify the Lord today. I want to make this declaration. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? Man, woman, child, just say, I want to magnify the Lord awesome, amazing, incredible. For all of you online, man, just just hit back and talk to the people that are there online. I want to magnify the Lord instead of magnify the world. I just want to pray over all of you today. Father, I thank you for every single person in here. God, especially our moms, but Lord, every single person that is in here today and that is watching online. God, we thank you that a spirit of fear is removed, a spirit of fear is lifted. God, we just tell you to come in with your peace. We tell fear that fear is a liar and fear must bow its knee to the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father God, for sending your son Jesus, born of a woman, to save all of humanity. And we accept that and we receive that today, right now, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Come on, let's give it up for the... Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. 
Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message. Thank you.